year... Is this year 14 or year 15? I can't think how years work. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Rear of the Grid. I, as am always, you're incredibly organized for this podcast, host uh, Matt. And joining me as ever is my not at all organized for this podcast, uh, co-host Jashan. Yes, I'm Jashan and I'm keen to get stuck in today. And yeah, look, there isn't probably enough of a diversity of topics on this year's show for the uh, normal intro. So I'm simply going to say stay tuned. Enjoy it. It was a interesting, good-natured discussion. Uh, everything that you'll hear me say is obviously correct, and everything that Jashan says is just absolute delusion. But yeah, otherwise, this is indeed another episode of Rear of the Grid. Here we are, back for the first time in twenty. 24. What a disturbing sentence. That's not disturbing. Uh, it's exciting. 2024 is Year of the Boys. We're going to have a good uh, one. You're, you're excited to be one year close to your closer to your inevitable demise as time just marches on with no regard to us? Weird take, but okay. I mean, to be perfectly candid, you kind of just have to make your peace with that as part of being an adult. We're always going to die at some point. Got to make the most of your time while you still got it, brother. So we're making this podcast because we love making the podcast. I don't I don't think any good sentence has ever been uttered after the words to be perfectly candid. Nothing good ever follows <laughs> those words. It's like when someone says, you know, <laughs> like no offense or not to be racist and then just immediately says something offensive or, you know, I just to be, good things to be don't perfectly follow. candid, I disagree. Well, to be perfectly candid, I think you are a useless co-host because you've done no preparation for this, so... I had that preparation, I just did it last minute. And to be perfectly candid, I think we should talk about Shamar Joseph today, but... Formula <laughs> One. Mate, I'm all for doing a podcast about the Royal Rumble, if that's what you want to do. Exactly, uh, <laughs> Mm. No, I reckon I'm calling match fixing. In the Royal Rumble? <laughs> no, no, in the uh, in the cricket, man. I'm calling match fixing. Nah. <laughs> nah, WWE, they've been called out. It's not genuine. It's not genuine sport. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, no, I reckon it was rigged so that uh, Cody Rhodes could win. What a joke. Uh, yeah, I think so. He's oh. a yoke. A yoke. Um, but yeah, we're here mostly today... Uh, to discuss the 2024 F1 grid and how it is the single most boring lineup in the history of sport. <laughs> God damn. I, tell me I'm wrong, though. I mean, Have I can't really disagree with you. Ever, ever started a new year of any sport and nothing has changed. I mean, no, but equally with Formula One, the way it works, things will change, cars will change, you know, the team principles have changed. We're, yes, we're going to miss Gunter Steiner. For, Formula, Formula One has never had a grid that has not changed. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's, never, if it's never even had a grid that's contained at least one new driver on it, but even if it mm. didn't, there has always been drivers who have moved teams at the very least. Yeah. And for 2024, this is obviously coming out a little bit later than we maybe could have done it, but um, 
Let me see Logan Sargent. That was the news towards the very end of last year that Logan Sargent was back for another year at Williams, which, yeah, was the confirmation of an identical grid. Which, yep. yes. Uh, which you clearly both, love. <laughs> both happy to say a little bit underwhelming. Yeah. And we certainly feel there's a few figures who perhaps not super worthy of a seed, but probably more to the point, the fact there is... Um, just a multitude of figures currently on the outside of Formula One who are deserving of a seat. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that nobody has been prepared to make the hard calls to find yeah. a way to get some of these guys on to the grid. And also just the fact we've not even had anyone like switch teams. Just everybody has rolled it back. And yeah. when in many ways you could make a compelling case that there is no one on the grid who could truly justify rolling it back without settling for mediocrity because obviously Red Bull blew the field away. But that was primarily Max. It's not like Sergio was like that. So you could could argue that going for Perez is settling for just what's there, the known quantity. And everybody else on the grid got absolutely dicked by Red Bull. So they're not trying to be ambitious to change anything up. So I don't think there's a single team on the grid that can truly be like, oh, yeah, we absolutely had a great thing. You know? Like, obviously... I mean, look, a lot of these drivers, you know, the way you say it makes it sound like almost everyone deserves to have been changed to club. Not at all. It's more just... Yeah, no. Like, obviously, like, if I'm McLaren, I'm not changing anything. Yeah. But the fact that every... Like, only one team won... Every other team should be looking to change things up. And in a lot of these cases, I think you need to be looking to change things up more than just, oh, Mm. what pieces are on our car? Or, oh, you know, let's no longer have someone getting angry about people fox smashing his door. That's not improving your team, Haas. Especially given the caveat that there are lots of very talented youngsters uh, coming up through the, the junior categories, and there are lots of talented free agents out there, like Danny Kvyat, who's ready for another chance, I think. So, if, it's a tough if one. Danny, if Danny Kvyat had been the only driver change on this year's grid, I would be calling for like immediate execution of whichever team principal hired him. <laughs> but more like a, an Alex Palou or a Pato Award, um, these kinds well, of... Well, yeah, or, or just Lawson. Yes, obviously. Lawson ahead of those two, because we actually know Lawson can drive a Formula 1 car. Drogovic, yeah. Porsche, a bunch of other guys, yeah, in and around F2. Um, yeah, it's a shocker. Reigning Supercars champion Brody Kostecki has just become a free agency because he's apparently walked out on his team and is going to sit out this year. So, you know. Mate. All I'm saying is Haas. It's time to make a move. Let's get rid of K-Mag. <laughs> Let's get in Brody Kostecki. Make it, make it happen. Why not? And to be fair, I think I think we're coming into a year where a lot of guys, um, you know, there's rumours that this could be Alonso's last season. Joe's probably this, you know, it's do or die for him. Same with Sunoda, mm. same with Ricardo, same Look, with K-Mag, same with Hulkenberg. This is could, this is the big yeah. the big thing. Max is obviously signed till 2028. Uh, yeah. Charles is so both both um 
Uh, Mercedes Boys are signed to the end of next year. Oscars mm. to the end of 2026. Uh, Lando has just signed back on to the end of 2027 now for McLaren. And Charles has just signed a one-year contract extension to take him to the end of 2025 at Ferrari. Every other driver, meaning both at AlphaTauri, both at Williams, both at Haas, both at... I've just called AlphaTauri, they're not called AlphaTauri yet, but yeah. we're Both at Stake F1 team, both at Alpine, Alonso, Sergio Perez... And I guess kind of Lance Stroll, but that's a weird one. Everyone is out of contract. The hope is, and I think, honestly, one of our season preview episodes should either be dedicated to or at least contain. I reckon we should go for a full-on before any driver market has happened. Take a stab at predicting next year's grid <laughs> just to see how wrong we get it. Because um, I think that'll be, that'd be good fun. We can um, certainly give it a go. But yeah, the, I think the hope is that we've got this incredible, we've had this incredibly boring, silly season, and it will sort of balance out in that we should get. It's been a little while since we've had a really hectic F one off season. Hopefully, mm. that's what we're getting. Like with what's that? Eight, ten, the four oh, signs as well. Fourteen, thirteen and a half. Because again, is Stroll ever truly out of contract? But with 13 and a half out of 20 drivers out of contract. Yeah. Like, you're hoping for at least eight changes, whether that's guys off the grid um, and you guys in, or just drivers having moved to different teams. I'm hoping for at least like seven or eight moves. Well, this is the thing. So this could all be the calm before the storm, but it is still kind of a shock to see uh, no changes at all. Oh, big, big time. Um, and so for part of that, uh, I had this idea a little while ago, and it's just our first chance we've been able to uh, step in the booth uh, mm-hmm. and actually make this recording. But I had the idea uh, for Jashan and I to uh, go away and sort of tier list up our, I guess, our worthiness of drivers who we feel is like should absolutely be solidified on the grid down to who we think it's I guess well you call it questionable that they're still here this year. Yeah. Is that sort of yeah. I think you've you've probably done it I mean mine is that I, I did three to I did get out. You, <laughs> Excuse you, me. <laughs> God damn it, sorry. I did get out, okay, chill, um and, and just, you know, very good. Basically. Fair enough. Well, I've... I've and better sucked. off as in, like, where the sport is better off with them. Yes. Yes, of course. Uh, Jashan, obviously, known for being the duller of these two podcast hosts, because I went for a much more interesting uh, level of tier list. I Seven. have... Uh, two, four, six... I have nine tiers. Oh, uh, my God. Going, going top to bottom. At the top tier is simply called Max Verstappen. Then we have uh-huh. Championship Quality, B-plus player which is like a lock for the grid. Uh, Living Legend, who is well, probably wow. excited. somebody who can be there for a couple more years because they've earned that. Then we got Not Crazy, but still deserves seat. On the Absolute Bubble, Daddy's Cash, Typical Haas <laughs> Driver, and Why Oh Why Are You Still Here? So uh, make your own predictions in your head of who I'm going to put where. Just because oh. someone has got a name reference in the tier does not mean they themselves are necessarily in that tier. 
<laughs> yeah. So Lance Stroll is in typical Haas tier, is what I would I would be guessing from that. I, I've gone for that. I think you you will have seen these Jashan because I send uh, send them to you sometimes. But the um, oh, that guy from Barstool Sports or whatever who does like the tier list power rankings for like NFL teams mm. or like quarterbacks every week. I've gone I've gone for that method of tier list. Where it's got a few each tier is more of like a, a little reference in joke or something rather than just oh this guy's good this guy's bad this guy sucks because um, that's how I enjoy tier lists being done tier lists yeah. are for us to enjoy not just for us to lay out facts but uh I think I think we'll go through yours primarily first and I'll provide a bit of feedback on whether I agree or disagree and then we can quickly run through uh, the chaos of mine uh, at the end. Hmm. So, okay. um, if you want to take me through, do you want to go, I feel like probably go from the top down, start with the locks because the juicier thing is more, who do you think yeah. isn't worthy? So, um, take me through, uh, was your top tier very good? Better off. So the, the sport is better off with these okay, guys. Well, take, take me, take me through your sport is better off with them guys. Yeah. Okay. So, to be, <laughs> I actually wrote this down, but to be perfectly candid, I don't actually think many of the drivers outright deserve to get hoisted from the sport. You know, there's a reason we are getting the same grid run back outside of, I don't know what that means, never mind. There's a reason we're getting the same grid run back, because a lot of these guys did a pretty decent job. However, but yeah. for this exercise, I went all out, I lent it to somewhat of a bit, um... And we'll see how we go. So better off, first things first. Max Verstappen is obviously pretty fucking good. He's oh. what? Is it three championships on the on the trot now? Uh, yes. Say? Yeah, he's pretty good, and it's kind of impossible to to argue anything else. And you know, the no, fact that I, got I put him in why why are you still here? Um, he keeps yeah. talking about retirement and just like you know, do it. Just do it, bro. Just commit. Give me some sauce. Yeah, agreed. Uh, number two went Lando Norris. The man is absolutely gunning right now. Um, yep. was arguably the most informed driver in the sport towards the back end of last season. Um, up there with Max. No, not, not quite at that level in terms of just general results, but in terms of overdriving the car and in terms of getting getting podiums and whatnot, he was fantastic. And another guy who was overdriving the, the shit out of his car was Alex Albon. So those are the three guys I've got in the top tier. Albon, Norris, Verstappen. In the middle tier, right, okay, okay, chill. It's kind of like, I'm happy you're here, but I'm not, like, you know, super chuffed. I'm not over the moon that you guys are here, but you deserve to be for now. Carlos Sainz, down, you know, he, great moments last season with the win, but down season overall. George Russell, also a Ma- down season Man has just turned around and implied that he's not super chuffed that Oscar Piastri is on the grid. I mean, you don't know. He could be my race here. Well, that's even more insane. <laughs> race winner, Oscar Piastri. Sprint race winner, Oscar Piastri. A win's a win. He's won more races than Lando Norris ever has. Are you trying to argue that Piastri's a better driver than Lando Norris? He might be. Mm. I, don't think it's, I don't think that's clear cut, but I think that's absolutely an argument you can he have. He absolutely He's a... is not right now. He might be in the future. Yeah, okay, but the future counts to whether or not you should be on the grid. Oh, of course. Of course. Based on his results, purely he got slammed by Norris. Um, One of them was a rookie. 
pretty sure I had a better rookie season than Norris did. Yeah, but, you know, it's Formula 1's a harsh sport. Got to take things in a certain way, brother. Uh, Piastri is in my middle tier. He is here. Okay, he's chill. I'm chilling. He's also a bit of a goofball. He's quite funny. George Russell, a down season, yes, but his talent is inarguable, and he deserves more chances. Lewis Hamilton, equally, had a very, very good season, I think. But, um, you know, he's getting towards the end of his career, and he's kind of flirted with the idea of taking a sabbatical and taking some time off. And it feels like we're coming to the end of an era uh, regarding if, that one. If Lewis sabbaticals, I don't think he ever comes, but he's not taking a sabbatical. He yeah. might say Proof it's is. a sabbatical, but I think once he's gone, he's gone. He won't come back. Yeah. He'll realise he doesn't want to come back. Fair enough. Uh, Le- Leclerc, you know, again, enough talent <laughs> to deserve hope so. But, um, you know, wasn't wasn't amazing last season. Wasn't, you know, knocking it out of the park, as they say in the baseball sphere. Shout out to Ronnie Acuna Jr., personal friend of mine. And, of course, uh, both Alpine drivers, Gasly and Ocon, uh, ha- both had their moments last season. Neither of them would have been chuffed with what went down. And you could absolutely make the argument that they don't deserve to be in the same tier as a, as a Leclerc or a Sainz. But well, they don't. They... I think you've simply not included enough tiers to you've you've lumped in people who definitely I think you're yet to say a name who I'm like, well, they shouldn't be in a tier that still is like ah oh, safe, stay on the grid. But I think having you know Gasly Ocon in the same sort of tier as like Leclerc is just such a two different ends of the spectrum of warranting being on the grid to, yeah. it's all I, I think you probably it's I think you probably needed it's all contextual. One, I think I you think probably needed one more tier. I'm yeah, I'm happy with what I've done. Thank you very much. Uh, because if you take into account the chaos at Alpine last season, I think there's absolutely total, you know, it's it's a fair that perhaps their results weren't as good as you know, some of us. Oh, absolutely. Expect. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm just chuffed that you didn't. I was half expecting you to put Ocon in the, like, get out of here tier because... No, no, no. I think you're a hater. No hate, brother. No hate. Donate to the podcast. www.onlinehubmedia.com is our website. You can check out all of our content, our sister content. I genuinely uh, thought you'd podcast. made a donation link. The four-man wall, uh, if you have any interest in football, soccer, of an Australian uh, nature, it's very, very good. We did our first video podcast last night, and it went very, very well. And uh, we're having fun with that, as we are here with Rear of the Grid. And uh, F2 for you as well, if you like the lower tiers of motorsport. All of that, as I said, on www.onlinehubmedia.com, at onlinehubmedia on Instagram. Plug finished! But yeah, I I think Alpine, both those drivers... Uh, have showed enough last season. That Gasly podium was really, really good. Ocon got really unlucky with a bunch of retirements, but uh, acquired, acquired enough points to have a decent enough season. And with Alpine the way they are, you can't blame the drivers too much because the team itself is in shambles. If I could choose a team to get kicked out, I'd be tempted to say Alpine <laughs> at this point in time. But the drivers deserve a bit more patience, I think. And Fair finally, one... One more man who deserves a bit more patience is Valtteri Bottas. And this takes into account his um, persona, which is hilarious and gives me joy. As well as, I think you mentioned um, when you were running through your tier lists, like uh, there's like a... 
someone who's earned kind of respect over the course of their career and deserves one or two seasons. I'm not saying Bottas is on the level of like a Kimi Raikkonen back in the day when Raikkonen was just trash and we were just like, that's fine because it's Kimi. Bottas yes. isn't quite there, but I think he uh, does I, I understand your season. point. Exactly. I can't remember whether I said this to you or whether I just thought it, but um, I'd love to do a graph of like how much I love Valerie Bottas and how cool I think he is. And it just every off season, it like peaks like off the charts. Because he's yeah. just chilling in Australia, being more Australian than most Australians. And then the actual season starts, and now apparently he just slowly regresses as he does absolutely nothing in the car. And I'm like, oh. And then the off-season hits again, and I'm like, God, dude, this guy's so cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> once he gets second straight off-season, he is killing the off-season content. Oh, naturally. Uh, he's, a, he's a great follow on social media, Valtteri Bottas. He really has more person- become an influencer. Uh, he he probably has more personality than like every other Finn put together, except for maybe their former prime minister. Um, <laughs> yeah, which fair enough. It's a reference I don't know how many people get, but if you do, you're in my good books. Finland, Sweden, yeah, meatballs. Don't, don't bring up Sweden, mate. Sweden. And nice. finally, I'm in the get out of the sport category. I've been a bit harsh, but I'm going to run it regardless. Logan Sargent, not good enough. Fuck off. Kevin Magnuson, you know, I wanted to believe. I really did that after he had his child, he would be good again. He wasn't. He was bad all of last season. Go away. Zhou Guan Yu, you've had your chances, brother. I like your style. You're very dapper, very handsome, but you aren't that talented. Go away. Ricardo, uh, my, my, my mans, you know, it was cool to see a rock back up in Texas and have that little comeback performance, but you shouldn't have been hired in the first place. Go away. Ulkenberg! You know, that was nice. We had a little blast from the past with Hulk rocking up. Still not getting a podium because he, he I mean, there's no way. But also, you know, the qualifying was good. The results on track were not We need good. to find a way for Hulkenberg to be a specialist Saturday driver. Like, he does the Saturdays for someone, yeah. and then they just do the race. That'd be great. But uh, his race day performances were shit. Go away. Yuki Tsunoda. Love the kid. Absolute gem. Had his probably the best season of his career last season. But there are too many Red Bull drivers knocking down the door. Too many free agents who I think are more talented than him. So you should go away as well. Lance Stroll. I mean, we've talked about it so much, so much. He's He hasn't been good enough for a long time now. Fernando Alonso, you're too old. Go away. Checo, wow. you got hammered. Let's be candid, Checo. You've had your time in the sun. Happy for you. But it's become very clear that you can't really swim with the big fish and you should also go away. So those are my, those are my tears. So Valtteri Bottas merits hanging around for a few more years because you think he's earned that. But man, who was fairly clearly like the third best driver on the grid last year, nah, fuck off. Well, this is because he's had his. T- this has been it. It's he's he already retired and came back. <laughs> this he didn't this, retire. These he took past a sabbatical. three seasons, these past three seasons have been his retirement dance. But he's he's been great. He still he still merits he, being here more than oh, Bottas absolutely. does. He's actually performing. Absolutely, but he's uh, that's uh, an insane take. You have to invest you, in the youth, brother. This I agree, but it's Alonso is not the one who needs to go. 
you can't keep backing in the guy who's not going to give you more than probably one more season. We're you can if that guy's possibly, you know, capable of contending for a championship if he has the wheels underneath him, which I think he is. He's 42. I know he's 42. Yeah. Good point. Too old. <laughs> I told you, I've led him to a bit, Matt. <laughs> As he just he's too old. He's too, too old. Too old. Well, Jashan. Let me tell and you. And if we're about being perfectly candid, <laughs> I'll use that term again. He couldn't land Taylor Swift. All right, and now I have to watch freaking Taylor Swift destroy the planet. Hanging out with Travis Kelsey, Fernando Alonso. Well, you're acting as if you're acting as if she would just go off to some concert in Japan. And then fly back to Monaco to have sex with Fernando Alonso, and then go back to her tour again. Fernando like, could have she's retired gonna... and married Taylor Swift, and he chose to. How stay in quickly sport. are you getting him to match? <laughs> we don't even know. That. Also, also, based on how much we have to constantly see her in the NFL, are you? A known Taylor Swift hater, really saying you're annoyed that you don't have to see Taylor Swift 78 times a Grand Prix on your television? No, I'm actually really glad you about that. You would <laughs> hate it. I think you Fernando would have taught her humility. Because in the world... What do you mean? That is genuinely one of the most blasphemous things you've ever said, implying that Taylor Swift is somehow some kind of egotistical character. Every single celebrity on the planet is egotistical. Then so Even is Fernando, Fernando Alonso, you Even Fernando, dense motherfucker. But Fernando has a special quality about him in that he is classy and Spanish and holds himself in high regard with dignity. And he could have taught those values to Taylor Swift, which would in turn teach her humility. Honestly, the fact that you don't love the NFL as much as like... Some other sports is crazy because you've really got the deep-rooted misogyny of an NFL fan just down. Sorry, whoa, what, what, what was misogynistic about anything I just said? Uh, it's the only logical reason for you to hate Taylor Swift as much as you do is you must hate women. There's just no other. No, I just don't like her. Don't please don't label me a misogynist on camera on on recording. Thank on you. camera, we're not on camera, mate. You don't consider mate, this podcast. I'm filming. I'm filming video. you right now, brother. And Are no, the all, reason I'm, I don't like Taylor Swift to be. Very clear is because I think her music is bad and I don't like her fans. How can you be filming me when my camera's not on? You've got no idea, mate. Well, that's kind of really creepy. I'm going to report you to, like, bloody, um... The RSPCA. or whatever it is. Freaking... Whatever the... Report, report me to Peter, bro. No, that, why would I do that? What power does he have? Not, you not, know what? No, no, uh, Peter is in, like, the... the oh, the animal, animal thing. thing. Oh, so now you're implying I'm an animal? No, because you got that dog in you. This <laughs> become so unhinged. Uh, now, would you like to do your tears? Um, I would, because oh. someone needs to restore some uh, faith to these good people's names. Uh, but first, just because you went on a bit how um, Fernando Alonso is too old, uh, have you ever heard of the Dakar Rally, my friend? Perhaps the I single have, hardest yeah. uh, motorsport event on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, have you heard of Carlos Sainz Sr.? Oh, yeah. Yeah, do you want to Again, know how old he is? Spanish. Yeah, exactly. 
So Alonso's got tw- Carlos Sainz Senior just won the fourth his fourth Dakar title at 61 years of age. Fernando Alonso has got years left in the tank. Huh. Years. He's got no reason to. As long as he's got a car that he enjoys driving, he's not going anywhere. Hold up, I'm looking up uh, a, a How Stuff Works article on what actually is the hardest motorsport event in the world. Uh, number one is not the Dakar, it is the Baja, Baja? 1000. It, Baja. Oh my god, he's not only misogynistic, he hates the... No, seriously, Matthew, stop, stop labeling me misogynistic, that's actually really not okay. Okay. I am not misogynistic. Thank you. Uh, ba- ba- I didn't, major? Did, don't think that was particularly open for interpretation. But Bajar? Yeah. Bajar? Do you know how to speak Spanish, man who supports Spanish football team? <laughs> no, I don't know how to speak Spanish. Hola, como estas? Fucking hell. Dakar's third, by the way. What's second? The Erzberg Rodeo. Well, the key point here is they're all definitely in off-road endurance races. Yeah, the Baja is noted for being quite tough. I don't think the modern Dakar is anywhere near as hard. It's kind of soft in modern years since it actually mm. left Africa for a risk of landmines and other such things. True, we can't have don't that. I don't know whether you've heard, point. but uh, a lot of uh, turmoil in Northern Africa these days. Oh, yeah. To, uh, it's, it's awful, it's really horrific But to support your point, none of the top 10 were Formula 1 races So that does indeed support your point Well, yeah, Formula 1 racing's not that hard Compared to <laughs> a lot of other motorsport You can't you can't dry, accidentally drive into a like, hidden ravine You can't run into a tree You can't <laughs> flip your car on a sand dune None of these obstacles exist in Formula 1 You've just got to drive your car on its specially made grippy tyres Around a specially made grippy track surface With 75,000 extra square kilometres of sealed runoff so then now they have to be like, oh, you crossed the white line onto this other bit of tarmac that you're not allowed to go on. Um, yeah. So what I'm hearing is that we should start planting trees on F1 tracks to make things more. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I would be a big... <laughs> I like how you've got a problem with me jokingly calling you a misogynist, but not with us implying that Formula 1 would be better if several drivers died each race because they wrapped their car around a tree. Line drawing is a truly fascinating concept. Uh, Regardless, here's a tier list. Um, So I will also go from the top down. Just to refresh my tiers, we have Max Verstappen, championship quality, B-plus player, uh, living legend, not crazy but still deserves a seat, on the absolute bubble, daddy's cash, typical Haas driver, and then why, oh, why are you still here? And just to be clear... Whilst the tiers descend, that doesn't necessarily mean this is an exact thing of, oh, the lower the tier you're in, the less you merit being on the grid. They're just the way I chose to present the tiers. And you can you can fit a certain vibe, but be less deserving to be on the grid than someone else in that. But, uh, all right, right, from the top. Max Verstappen. Shockingly, Max Verstappen is in this tier. 
shockingly. Um, this this probably comes as a huge revelation that I think Max Verstappen <laughs> is like the most merited driver on the grid. Um, I'm absolutely blown is, away, actually. I'm that is the layer to land, I know, eh? Uh, but joining him in Max Verstappen is Liam Lawson. <laughs> Okay. Who is not on the grid and who I continue to think that is a crime against humanity on a similar level to Taylor Swift's uh, private jet. Um, <laughs> yeah, Liam Lawson sits in the Max Verstappen tier. What an absolute weapon. Indeed. Uh, championship quality. Four names in this tier. The first is, on these next two tiers, you're about to hear a very controversial take from yours truly. Uh, but in championship quality... Charles Leclerc. Oh my god. Resigned. Yeah, of course he's in that second tier of drivers. He's still got yeah. oodles, oodles of natural talent. Uh, Lando Norris. Mm, which is, agreed. I think, a pretty self explanatory. Uh, one, Georg Roussel. Georg Roussel. Yes. Uh, <laughs> everybody's favorite Instagram model. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. And it's, it's close between him and Joe. That's fair, that's fair. Joe's never liked T-Pose, though. True. That's what pushes George over the edge for me. He's our intro in the last Formula 1 season. Uh, and the other man joining them in that tier are Oscar Piastri. I just... There is no doubt over Oscar Piastri's spot on this grid for mm. the next decade. Yeah, you know, obviously anyone can fall off a cliff at any. But all of these guys but... are worse than Liam Lawson, to be clear. Uh, no, they're just not <laughs> as Max Verstappen as Liam Lawson. Okay. Like I said, just because the tier is higher up, it's just about are you the most appropriate for this tier? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Liam Lawson, I think, uh, just embodies Max Verstappen. Mm. Uh, in the B plus players, locks for the grid. Uh it pains me to maybe say this, but I think this man, he really is the Triple H's perception of Daniel Bryan uh, okay. of Formula One drivers. I don't know whether you understand that reference because you didn't go back and do as much wrestling history as I did when I got into it. Mm-hmm. But go look up the whole Daniel Bryan run from the mid-2010s and you'll understand. That's where the B-plus player comes from. But uh, Carlos Sainz, I think personifies the B-plus player. Mm, agreed. It's a good little, good little spot for him. He's not quite that championship contender upside, but there is no no questions at all over whether or not he should have a seat within Formula 1. He will always deliver for you. He's very consistent. Belongs here, just just not quite got that X-factor level. This is Although he is You're finally agreeing with me that Charles has is, more, more X-factor than, than Carlos. This is amazing. Yeah, I still think Sainz is the better driver. I just think Charles has got more X-factor and you need <laughs> X-factor right, yeah, to yeah, win yeah. a championship. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, Sainz continues to be the smoothest operator. Fair enough. Uh, also, in the B-plus players, we have the Alpine driver lineup, Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon. I think their seasons were maybe a little bit slept on in terms of the amount of adversity they had to overcome by way of uh, driving for Mm. Alpine. I think both still perform quite fine. I think Gasly, we've obviously seen the big, big flashes of what he is as a driver in years past during the AlphaTauri days, Toro Rosso days. Uh, And Ocon, I just think, is um, 
real sneaky Solid. good. People people don't realize just how good Ocon is, but mm. he goes quite all right. I think both these guys, whilst probably not having done anything in recent years to really merit the banging down the door, have put them in a great car. If for yep. some reason they got put in a good car, I think they'd perform really great. They'd, they'd win races. They'd be getting podiums. Uh, okay. And the last man in the B-plus players is the only man not currently in a big team who I think truly merits a seat at a big team, Alexander Albon. All right. Wow. Definitely a B-plus player. He's a great yeah, driver. okay. Perfect so, little I mean, spot. You kind, of put, you kind of put Gasly and Ocon in a very similar vein that I did. I agree. I just think the way you've put it but i think i've got them separated down from someone like a leclerc who i think and a piastri mm. who i think are cuts above or even russell and that and i've also got them more firmly separated away from where i'm going to get to the drivers who i think are like that's the thing i just think you possibly needed one more tier in there just to provide a little bit of separation from those middle of the pack guys who aren't the ace of ace but there's a difference between that mid group of who's like the really, really good and who's the safe, but mm-hmm. not like, ah, uh, this guy's fucking multi Grand Prix winner in the making. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just my take on it. Uh, the Living Legend. I, you can probably guess the two names in this in this tier if you'd like to have a quick go at it, Jashan. Hamilton and Alonso. Correct. Both of them, uh, you know, I, I'd love Hamilton to be gone from the grid if he wants to do it himself. But I am not going to make a case that Hamilton should be forced out. I think both of these two... I'm not going to go for the indefinite, because uh, I think they will begin They will begin to decline, as much as I am passionately uh, defended Alonso against you. I'd still be surprised if he's got more than three good years left in the tank, Yeah. both in terms of interest level and ability to perform. But I think both of these two have more than earned the right to leave the sport on their own terms. So if they want to hang on for another few years and maybe even a couple more after that and go the Kimi Raikkonen route, just collecting a paycheck and vibing out, then I think these two have absolutely earned that right. Totally fair. Um, then we got the last three sort of guys that are in my truly like safe, or not safe, but I'm content with them being here bracket. I have not crazy, but still deserves a seat. Sergio okay. Perez. I think he has had some struggles at times at Red Bull, but we know how good of a driver he has been from everything he did uh, for, I wanted to call them the Endstone, but that's Renault. The, God, are they for Basin Silverson? But the artist formerly known as Racing Point, Force India, whatever godly name they've had, now known as... I don't even know what Force India... Who did they become? Aston Martin. Oh, yeah. Now known as Aston Martin. That's the one. Um, yeah, but we've known what kind of driver he is at that. And I think I think we look at him in a poorer light than what he actually is just because of the fact that he's in a Red Bull. And we see how much he struggles compared to some of the other top guys on a lot of weeks. And we go, oh, yeah, he's kind of rubbish. Probably shouldn't even, maybe should just go straight out of the sport. But, like... He's not at that level. He's still better than so many of the backmarker drivers that it would be more fair for him to drop into, say, a Haas or something. And I think if you put him in a piece of machinery like that, then we'd instantly go back to looking him in the other light because then 
he'd probably still be as competitive in as many Grand Prix as he is right now, but it just looks different. If you're right up there competing in like four out of the 22 races a year when you're in a lower-end car, you're like, wow, that's impressive. If you do it in a Red Bull, it's like, what is wrong with you? I just think that's where he's at as a driver, regardless of yeah. machinery. Uh, so I don't think I just don't think he should be in the Red Bull seat anymore, but he should definitely still be on the grid. Uh, the other man, Logan Sargent. I, I can understand why you wanted to put him down there, but I just think it's as simple as rookie season. Like I said, not crazy. I don't particularly think Sargent is going to stay in the sport long term because yeah. I don't expect him to. Honestly, I'm not expecting him to show enough this season to warrant it. But at the end of the day, one season, if you axe a driver after one season without them being like genuinely like, you know, like, how is this guy on the track? He barely seems to know how to drive a car. He's posing a risk to the other drivers. He is yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. spinning at literally every Grand Prix weekend. And now oh, also his country as a whole gray area to include them in motorsport kind of things. Uh, some Massapin. If unless you're doing that, I just, I'm a big thing. And this goes in like stuff like this. It's the same, like, you know, you can apply it to other sports. Like when guys get picked for like cricket or something, after like two tests, they kind of do crap and they just dropped. Nice. If you're only going to give someone that limited opportunity, do not select them in the first place. Once you've selected them, you've got to show a commitment. So I think Sergeant had to be the thing. Yes, by the time his was the only seat left, I was like, well, I'd like to see Lawson in that seat because Lawson's the one who fucking deserves a seat. But it was yeah. never Logan Sargent's seat that I felt should be being vacated in the first place and that I have umbrage with. Umbrage, yes. hasn't seen the, chase, the change in. Sargent being back is fine. Do I think okay. I'll be saying that in 12 months? No, because I'm expecting, unfortunately, probably more of the same this year. And then with the two-year sample size, you can go, okay, just not good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But totally need, needed to be back next year. It was the right call. On but, the absolute... but for you, like, a Nick DeVries, obviously, was that bad that he deserves to be cut? Is that kind of where you're at? Um, I still think it was harsh on DeVries. I think he is a different one just because of the age factor and the mm. concept of what the AlphaTauri team is and then the lack of him being from the Red Bull pipeline. Like, if DeVries was a 22-year-old Red Bull junior, they'd put him in that seat, he'd done what he did for the first half of the year, and we went, nut, you're gone. I yeah. would be going, this is my fucking issue with Helmet Marco and the Red Bull junior program. This is ridiculous. But he was right. 28... He'd been put in that seat, possibly against the will of one of the people who has the decision-making process in that, you know, like Christian Horner, yeah, based yeah. off the fact that he had one drive in a Williams last year that, for all we know, was at a circuit that was quite favorable for them, looked good, scored some points, and then went bang him in the car. Had never had any associations to the Red Bull Junior program, and then he yeah. was seriously languishing. They wanted a chance to put Ricardo back in the car because also Perez was like... See, I don't know whether that happens if Perez is killing it. Because I think another sec big second part was with Perez struggling, they wanted a chance to give Ricardo that hit out to evaluate him to see yeah. about the switch in the driver there. So that Fish one was a actually. very different set of circumstances compared to Sargent. But when someone's the youth prospect that's just come in from like the feeder series... You've got to give them time to develop and mature as a driver a bit more. Because no one is coming out of F2 as a truly finished product. Uh, no, that's just not okay. 
We saw George Russell look brilliant in his first few seasons. He also had some moments that were really fucking dumb. Yeah. Leclerc, similar. Verstappen was even less cooked than these guys because he came in at 17. I don't even think he did have to. But, you know, Verstappen wasn't perfect when he came in here. Norris wasn't perfect when he came in here. Oscar has made mistakes last year in that. That is just how it goes when you're a rookie out of the two yeah. categories. Um, all right, moving on down to the now the low end of the spectrum. So on the absolute bubble, this is basically sort of my fence line. There is one more man after this, so I think probably as a driver, I do rate higher, but just through necessity. It's a very similar thing to your Alonso of just wanting that seat available for someone, but I think this is the better if regretful pick for who to go with it there. But on the absolute bubble, Yuki Tsunoda. I'm still not quite convinced he'd done enough, but he did have some moments this year, and he did a little bit down the stretch as well. I thought he answered the court challenges of Lawson and Ricardo quite impressively, that I think he is right on that thing. Like, for me, this now has to be... like, like if they And if they'd axed him, I would have gone, you know what, totally fine. They've kept him, and I'm like, I'm okay with that. But this year has to be it. He either has to show something, and they move him up, show something and they decide that there's still not a seat there, but they want to keep him and he can just be the really wily veteran there at that mm. team. If he doesn't show something, they have to ax him. They cannot just keep rolling back Sonoda if he doesn't show something. But he is yeah, right enough. on that bubble. All right, the bottom three tiers. Daddy's cash. Zhou Guan Yu. <laughs> um, I just don't think he's showing. I just don't think he took a step forward in year two. Um, and for me, I, if he doesn't see another step, I see a step forward here in year three in that, I just do think there's a big thing. If he wasn't coming with the heavy backing of um, Chinese sponsors and the fact yeah, that yeah, there yeah, is yeah, a market yeah. that teams and Formula One as a whole want to fully break into, I just oh, struggle to see him holding his place on the grid in the way he had. Like, with Paul Cher there in the wings as a member of that organization, I think if yeah. Joe is named, you know, I don't know, Tim Bertrand and is from Hungary. Tim I think Bertrand. He's gone. Nice. I think, he's gone. I think he's gone at the end of year two because he's just not done enough and they want to get Paul Cher in that seat. But mm. there is still that interest in having a Chinese driver on the grid. And I think it's a similar case to Sonoda being Japanese. I think we definitely underlook that at times. Uh, Especially to finally get Zhou at the Chinese Grand Prix at some point in time. Yes. Uh, So I think he uh, he, he personifies Daddy's cash. On to typical Haas driver, Lance Stroll. I think he absolutely, he's just... Based off what a Haas driver has been for the last three or four years now, the really thing. since the the moving on from Mazepin and bringing back Magnus and that, and really we had that one year of Mazepin Schumacher, and before that it was Grosjean Magnus. So basically, all a Haas mm. driver has ever been. You cannot tell me that Lance Stroll is not that guy. Like if he was at a team that wasn't owned by his dad, so his money was more similar keeping him on the grid as say like a Joe or something, I don't think we'd have as high of a negative perception as it being driving in a team owned by his dad, who is also performing way above the level of a guy like Lance Stroll being in that seat. But if he was at Haas, and we just knew he was at Haas because he had good financial backing, 
We're just yeah. like, yeah, this guy is just, just your average horse driver, isn't it? That's what he is. That's his level. That's his ability. He's in the same ballpark as these guys. But you also just mentioned his daddy's money and thus begs the question as to why you didn't put him into daddy's cash. Because I think I think he's more of a... Because I, I think... The difference is... Because I, I just think... As I said, I think, yeah, he's got that. But I, I think he... I think more than anyone on the grid, he personifies the typical Haas driver. Because I, I don't think Magnussen and Hulkenberg are what they were a couple of seasons ago. Which is no. I think they've I think they've fallen, for the most part started to fall below the level of typical Haas driver, but I think Stroll wow. is that. Uh, next name in typical Haas driver, Valtteri Bottas. Okay. Uh, he said that I don't want to see him gone, but at the same time, something needs to open up somewhere. So if this is his last year and they opt not to renew his contract because they would prefer to keep. Um, the Chinese market with Joe and they want to get Porsche into that machine. Mm. I think that is just a necessary sacrifice to make as saddening as it would be. But I look forward to Bottas's career change to just like endurance cyclist, weird Australian man. Cause it yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, next up, you've got Haas driver, Nico Hulkenberg. Clinging on mm. to this tier very barely, but like as I said, those qualifying results were great. I think that, in many ways, personified the sort of pre-youth movement. Um, oh, Haas and that we we got we got a we got a bit of that from Grosjean and Magnussen. They'd like maybe sort of that, and then just race day would come around and nothing would happen, and we'd be like, "Oh wow, what are yeah, these guys yeah, yeah. doing?" Um, the last man in typical Haas driver, and again, this guy, I think we can all agree, he screams Haas driver, Daniel Ricciardo. Yes. At this point in his career, he just screams. He I don't think he wants to admit it, but he just screams Haas driver. We agreed that he probably should have gone to Haas. Would have yes. been great at Haas. I have no problem with him being there at Haas. Nah. And finally, uh, this will come as a shock to nobody, particularly you. In why or why are you still here? K-Mag, just, just go be a dad, man. Just go be a dad, race some sports cars, enjoy your life. Fox smash all the doors you want, which you can do now that Gunter is gone. But just why are you still in F1, man? He's just he's he's just not good enough, and he doesn't have that neat like market that they're trying to break into, like a Sergeant or a Joe, or the big financial mm. backing, like a Joe or a Stroll, or the, just you're a cool enigma that people love, like Bottas and Ricardo. Or a magical mm. quest to get a podium like Hulkenberg, or the ability to qualify a car like Hulkenberg. He uh, just, he's just, he's just here. But why? Why are you here, Kevin? If that—that uh, that is above all others. If that man is back on the grid next year, and there is not, and that's the big thing. If Haas rolls back with an identical lineup here, there is not a, some kind of injection at youth at Haas next season. Then they just they lose. Then Haas as a team absolutely locks themselves into why or why are you still here? Because they're just showing no ambition. Oh, they're, they're already there no, as far as I'm Oh, concerned. I think so, but even more so. Because this, this is just not a lineup that is going to take them anywhere. It's as simple yeah. as that. Uh, but yeah, so that's sort of where we feel uh, everyone falls. I think the large consensus, we, we think the likes of Verstappen, Leclerc, Norris, Russell, Piastri, Sainz, the Alpine duo, Albon, Hamilton, all those guys... Definitely, we've got obviously no problem with them. I think our big our big problems are the Haas lineup, the AlphaTauri lineup, 
the um, steak lineup and stroll. And in your case, Wait, why are you calling it the steak that's, lineup? That's what it's called. Isn't it? You know the what's red, not? Isn't is it the Visa Cash app? You know we've oh. got two new lineups, right? Two new team names. Oh, Alfa Romeo is steak, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, steak F1 team, which now looks really normal compared to the Visa Cash app racing balls. Yes. Who we are going to continue to call. Uh, we, we are the, we're making a call here for the vast majority in this year's show. We're calling them Alpha Tauri because they are going into the same ballpark as Twitter and FIFA in that we are not calling them X and we are not calling them EAFC. They are Twitter, FIFA, and Alpha Tauri because we do not acknowledge our new horrific overlords. Totally uh, fair. On to the news, and I can actually come armed with a few things that have happened. We've already talked the contract extensions of uh, Norris and Leclerc, so we won't really go into them, but it's just a quick refresher. Leclerc signing on for an extra year to 2025, Norris extending out to 2027. Uh, we both happy and agree, sort of agree that those are, those are good moves. Absolutely agree, yep. I think the Norris one is definitely good for all parties involved. I think Leclerc is definitely a good move for Ferrari. And I think it's probably a good move for Charles Leclerc, but it's probably a better move for his therapist. Because <laughs> uh, he's potentially just signed on for an another year of trauma. Uh, credit to just the internet community for that one. That's definitely something that I've seen online at some point. That's all right. Got to get your credit and inspiration um, somewhere. Obviously, like that. I did obviously one of that. It was, yeah, Carlos Sainz Sr. winning his fourth Dakar, becoming the oldest man to do so. A pretty cool moment for the Sainz family. Uh, and I implore you guys to always go and look for any clip of uh, Carlos and his dad together. They just have a very wholesome relationship. But also anything that involves them in like a car together with um, Sainz Sr. driving because Carlos Sainz is just like, I think basically every motorsport driver, it's a very funny trait they have. Well, obviously they're all used to just fanging cars around at the absolute limit. But the second they have to be the passenger with someone doing it, they're all so uncomfortable. It's just that sense of as soon as you're not the one in control of the car, everything's just like so much worse. And it's very funny watching um, Carlos Sainz Jr. as his dad like, drives a sports car or whatever, just looking, like, borderline terrified. Yes. Uh, considering he drives F1 machinery. And the last big piece of news, probably the biggest of them all, the Spanish Grand Prix from uh, 2026 onwards will be moving away from the circuit to Catalonia to the capital city, Madrid. And a yeah. street circuit. Jashan, your immediate reaction to that piece of news. I mean, if it wasn't a street circuit, I'd be mad chuffed. But I don't necessarily have faith, given our recent slew of Reasonable reaction. Because my first reaction was just, are you fucking kidding me? This just... This incessant move towards street circuits, non-purpose-built facilities, mm. is just bizarre um, but at the same time I'm glad we're not I'm glad that Barcelona is getting moved on because it wasn't a great time. see like yes but no because your initial reaction to get it like we've all obviously for years talked about yes it can be a very very boring circuit but I think it was definitely improvement this year like last year with the track changes and everything um, but like this is not the answer to it 
this is not worth getting rid of Catalonia for, just another street circuit. And even yeah. if it ends up being a surprisingly um, good one, like, what was it, Vegas, we ended up really enjoying. Um, it's just this constant shift away from dedicated racetrack. And it's this shift away from that when there is so... To just new random places and another generic street circuit that's got no... That's we demantled most of the year. It doesn't hold the same esteem and mystique. It won't host other events. And that yeah. when there is such an obvious fan clamoring, you constantly hear fans talking about other tracks that we would like to go back to, you know, be it something like Kyalami in South Africa or going back to Sepang in Malaysia or Istanbul in Turkey or just fucking somewhere in Germany, anywhere in Germany. Just if we want a street circuit, I'm pretty sure the freaking Norris ring or whatever is basically a street circuit. Just the something Norris in ring? Germany. Yes. I believe the Norris Ring's the one. I'm pretty sure the Norris Ring takes place on public roads or like semi-public roads, I think. I mean, it just looks like it's public roads, but it's actually not. And it's just like next stuff. But yeah, the Norris Ring. Go go look up the Norris Ring. Maybe it's not public road. No, it's got to be. It's got to be public road. It's got too many markings to not be public road. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. I think it's like a semi, semi-permanent uh facility not a very complicated track definitely too too simple for formula one but my point is just right. everybody wants us to be back in germany not you know three different races in america two of them street yeah. circuits well sorry one of them street circuits one of them a car park circuit around a football stadium you know the move yes. and again and if and if you did what's weird to me as well with this pivot away from the permanent circuit at you know, so the Catalonia is if you just want to get a street set, why move it to Madrid? Yeah, Wouldn't you just have a street circuit in Barcelona. Barcelona's like, because that's it. I get it if you're like, oh, well, we feel like that kind of area is kind of just dead, and we want to get it to somewhere that's more vibrant, popping off in that. But like, I feel like Barcelona. Well, I, I would assume that it's part of it is that you know the city of Madrid themselves made a larger bid. Oh, no, I'm sure it absolutely is in that. But it's like, yeah, like Barcelona, I think is like the sort of hub of like culture in that in Spain. Like you, when you hear about, you know, your, your white friends and that going on a European (laughs) holiday, I'm I'm singling out white females here, but you know, you don't necessarily hear about them being like, yeah, we had like a three night stay in Madrid. No, the Spanish stop of your Contiki tour is Barcelona. Yeah. Like, that, that is the spot in Spain. So it's weird just moving it away there completely to something. that. And it, honestly, I mean, I'm trying to decide what I'm looking at if half of this, if it's, like, apartment towers or whether they're, like, um, industrial estate. Wherever it is, it just looks, like, fairly dead. Mm. Like, at least... For that, at least Vegas, even if it had been crap, there would have been that certain novelty, like with Monaco as well, where you're like, oh, dude, Monaco, we're racing on, like, the iconic waterfront and things like that. Vegas, it was, okay, this could have been terrible, but it still would have been a bit cool to be like, but this is literally, we're literally on the Vegas Strip. That is kind of cool. Oh, it's absolutely cool. The stuff with, like, by the looks of this, with Miami and stuff like that, there's just nothing interesting about having a race in Miami. In the parking <laughs> lot at Hard Rock Stadium. Have it in actual downtown Miami, and then you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. 
Like, can you imagine if the Gold Coast street circuit that used to be, like, an IndyCar ran now just for the supercars and that? Can you imagine if that was, like, Gold Coast, but it was just, like, in, like, the back residential streets of, like, Burley or something? Yeah. As opposed to where it actually is, which is on the Surface Paradise waterfront. So you get the iconic camera shots of the Surface Paradise Beach, of the apartment towers, of like the it strip of the Gold Coast, which is the part of the Gold Coast I hate, but it is still that iconic signature spot that it makes sense to have it in. Can you imagine if, you know, the Mel- like Australian Grand Prix was still in Melbourne, but it was, you know, like out in like sunshine or something like that. It would just be like, what's the point of this? when you're not going to have it in, like, an inner urban sense with the iconic landmarks visible. I can't believe you had to talk shit and Ed put Burley in the same category as Sunshine. <laughs> I was just... I don't I don't know enough Gold Coast suburbs because I despise it that much. Like, Bur- Beach Bunt Burley, but that's the thing. Like, there's probably that. But somewhere... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, somewhere more generically in the hinterland or just one of the suburbs that's not quite out into the nice hinterland but isn't waterfront. And that's for that. Yes. Hey, sunshine. All I'm saying is, I know exactly no one that I really like who lives in Burley. I know two people and two dogs that I really like that live in Sunshine. That's all I'm saying. Oh, shout out to Eddie Bryant, my homie. Exactly. Um, in terms of your side, any other news stories to, to bring up or? No, that's, a... that's the that's sort of the biggest one I think that's obviously gone on since we last spoke. Is this? Yeah. Oh, it should also be said. It's a. It's a 10-year deal, so it will take us through to 2036 or something now, which is just, oh, it's... Sorry, to 2035. And that's that's the other thing that's daunting, is yeah. these big deals coming for these new street circuits. And, like, I, I don't know the exact length of, like, Jeddah or whatever, but we're, what, three years into Jeddah, and I think we're still, at the best, on the fence about its merits as a Formula 1 circuit. Miami, I'm pretty sure, has probably got a fairly big contract. We're still six, seven, eight years left in it. And we, two years in, and we're like, yeah, no, this is garbage. I think we could um, honestly end just, up in a place where... Sorry, keep going, keep going. I, I thought you were... No, I was going to say, it's just, it's just daunting being locked in to something that you're not sure is going to be any good for that long. Because if it is crap, well, then we're stuck there with just a crap round on the calendar for a decade. Yeah. No, that's fair. I, I think... Because more and more cities are coming up with their interest in getting Formula One. I think we could end up in a place where tracks will just get signed like one or two year deals and we'll keep rotating through. That's sort of the story that Osaka are making a bid and Zanzibar from Tanzania are making a bid as well in terms of making a track and hopefully getting onto the calendar, the F1 calendar. So uh, lots lots of countries, lots of nations, lots of cities are trying to get involved in this F1 money kind of fall. Well, Liberty Media, uh, by the way, just got announced as the most profitable sports brand or sports kind of company in the world, according to Forbes. I will say, I will say, obviously, assuming that they actually can indeed afford the financials of it and it's not about to cripple their economy or completely fuck over their citizens, Tanzania would be cool because it would be something completely different and unique and whilst it's not back to, like, a traditional circuit like some of the ones in South Africa, at least it mm. is adding an African round to the, car- to the calendar, which is something that we fans want. So that would be cool. But yeah. if we're getting, say, an Osaka street circuit at sacrifice of Suzuka, 
No, there is just zero scenarios in which that's an acceptable trade-off. Yeah. I don't care if the Osaka Street Circuit is the best racetrack ever put to bed and never gives anything less than a 10 out of 10 race, doesn't worry at losing Suzuka. This is the problem. I think Formula 1 is ever moving away from these traditional circuits to street circuits. It seems interesting, because I don't follow it anywhere near closely, but I was seeing something that apparently maybe Formula E, which started out as an exclusively street circuit championship, mm. seems to be starting to add more and more actual traditional permanent race circuits. So it's almost like the two are now flipping over. Um, and the yeah, Formula weird. One's going to become a street circuit. And if that's the case, I may genuinely explore seeing if I can get myself into Formula E mm. and that. Because I've just, I've just got so much more interest in seeing racing on the iconic European racetracks. And I'm fine with new places coming in, with new, you know... And obviously, that's the thing. It comes down to stuff like that. Something like, yeah, the Spanish Grand Prix moving to a street circuit in Madrid... But if they wanted to get away from Catalonia, there's other permanent racetracks they could possibly explore yeah. in Spain there. Or they could have tried to uh, get back going again the street circuit in Valencia, which was actually a really good layout and often made for some really fun races and mm -hmm. stuff like that. The flip side, like something like Tanzania, I'm okay with if that is like a street circuit in whatever the capital city of Tanzania is. I think that makes more sense because how much justification and use would there be of a permanent built racetrack in Tanzania? Possibly not a lot, but a street circuit that just gets set up every 12 months, yeah. I imagine possibly that's a little bit less of a, you know, sunk cost and things like that. I obviously don't know for sure. But yeah, in places that, countries that have the racetracks and things like that, why, if we're going to that country, does it need to be on a street circuit? Why is it street circuit in Vegas, street circuit in Miami, when there is a half a dozen permanent built racetracks in America that maybe would need a slight upgrade to be at that um, F1 level of FIA, like grading and that to be able to have an F1 race on it. But you do that and now you've got a state, truly state-of-the-art racetrack that was already there, just needs some upgrades. And then mm. Formula 1 can go there to these already permanent built great racetracks in America. And I've said this point before on that. But yes, no, it's have. a car park in Miami. It's The Vegas one is fine. That's That's worked out. Vegas has a very unique appeal, and it was good. And if it continues to perform at that level, great addition. But, like, why a car park in Miami when Road America, Road Atlanta, Watkins Glen, all of these tracks exist? Make it make sense. There's rumors that we could be getting a street circuit in Chicago as well pretty soon, so... NASCAR's got one. It was it was not too bad. But again, we don't need a fourth American <laughs> yeah, round... If it's sacrificing somewhere, like if that comes on and it's because we're losing, you know, Miami or Abu Dhabi or Jeddah or as fun as it is, Azerbaijan. Okay, fine. But if it's a fourth American round to now be a sixth North American round at the loss of one of the quintessential classic tracks. Okay, like, I, I get it. Yes, obviously, you don't want it to be completely European-centric. You do want it to be a global championship. And frankly, as much as America's one country, it is so big, it does have so much population that multiple races in America where no one European country has multiple races does make sense. But at the mm. end of the day, the it's not like Formula One was invented 20 years ago, started in Europe, and now we're taking European circuits away to go race in these other countries. 
like this is 60, 70, 80 years of heritage at these circuits that we're now going, ah, but like we want another race in America. So instead of continuing to race at this track that, you know, Sterling Moss, um, you know, guys like that, Fangio, you know, the, the quintessential like heroes of our sport in years gone by and that raced at, ah, but let's leave Spa and go race on the streets of Chicago. It's just dumb. Mm-hmm. It is dumb. And it is definitely alienating the core fan base. Absolutely. But that is that, that is the all, all of the news that I have. Uh, yeah, that's all I have. I think that uh, probably brings us to an end of the episode quite nicely. It'd be just under an hour, probably when edited, which is nice. Uh, it is. So yes, we'll, we'll be back in probably... Oh, Another few weeks, I think it'll be maybe a month or so, and we'll start coming back with um, some season preview material, both for obviously this, the rear of the grid, the Formula One show, and we'll probably have some kind of season preview as well. I'll look at what I assume, if they're not quite yet, will very soon be fully finalized lineups for the F2 and F3 grids as we can begin the exciting quest to find out who next will get to sit for an indefinite number of years on the sideline of Formula One. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, all that is to come. But for another another week, another episode, I've been Matt. He has been Jashan. Been good to get back on the sticks, brother. Back on the sticks? Back on the sticks. Like Shout out to Cape Verde, who may uh, end up winning the African Cup of Nations. They're in the round of, well, the, the quarterfinals now. Oh, there, there you go. There you go. That's, uh, that's exciting. Who's winning the Asian Cup? Uh, not Australia. Who are we playing in the next round? Is it South Korea? South Korea. <laughs> We're so fucked. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, and until next time, we have been Rear of the Grid. Yeah, no, worst driver of the season. It's a two-way race. Um, And who do I think will win that race? But in this sense, they're losing the race. Because if you win this race, that means you're the worst driver of the season, so you kind of want to lose the race. Okay, Will Buxton. (laughs) Did you know if you cross the line before everyone else, you win the race? (laughs) 